Hey friends, welcome to the Insecurity Project podcast. This episode goes out to the dreamers, uh, the people who are still looking to improve the quality of their life, who are ambitious for a meaningful existence and effective existence, an existence that is pleasurable, pleasant, life-giving, life-full. If you're anything like me, uh, being a dreamer will also be a source of great pain <laughs> and frustration, discouragement and disappointment for you. And and this is, uh, to be honest, this is really where I get stuck most in my life. This is where I, I genuinely experience the most pain and suffering is in the middle ground between you know, you know, the tension between living grateful for where I am and being present and open to the wonder of abundance all around me and knowing that I am a very fortunate human being and taking great pleasure in all that I've achieved and accomplished and attained and not diminishing the, the wonder of that in any way, shape or form, yet still wanting more, still feeling like there is potential inside me to do and have and be more, to make an impact, to uh, create meaningful change in the world, to uh, have more influence and uh, more, more joyful experiences and, and then feeling like I don't have those and, and then feeling like, hmm, now I don't know how to get them. So I thought I'd share with you what I do when I get stuck in this space, assuming that if you're also a dreamer, I imagine you probably get stuck here too. And so here are the things that over the years have provided great solace and encouragement and hope for me and uh, and so much so that I'm still a dreamer. So I, I encounter many people who are, are no longer dreamers, who once were dreamers, but have given up on dreaming because dreaming is too hard. So I, I would hate for that to happen to me. And if you're like me, I'm sure you'd hate for that to happen to you. So I thought I'd share the things that have worked for me over the years. Another reason I'm sharing this with you is because I'm in one of these moments of stuckness myself right now. You, you may have heard me talk about uh, the wonderful opportunity I was given at the start of the year to work with an investment company as the head of their equities division and based on the, the idea that there was money to be made in acquiring businesses that were undervalued, not because of the quality of their products and services, but because uh, their effectiveness was being limited by human dysfunction. And so my skill set around dealing with human dysfunction and bringing health and wholeness in the business world was then also able to unlock profit so uh, the the joyful and, and wonderful experience of partnering with this company and being in all kinds of extraordinary rooms and seeing some of the deepest and most sincere dreams of my heart realized and fulfilled and and seeing massive progress in uh, the effectiveness of the work that i was doing and and then uh, you know a month ago a month or so ago watching that dream come to an end um, surprisingly I didn't I didn't see it coming um, others may have uh, but I didn't and I was taken off guard by that and it has definitely rocked me because now uh, where I thought I'd I'd achieved something and you know had a 10-year plan for my future now I don't now I'm back to huh uh, I still want all of those things but now I can't have them 
you know, it's a it's a pattern for me that shows up frequently in my life. You've heard me talk about Townsville Marathon, or if you've read my books, the, the Townsville Marathon pain was exactly this. Just feeling like I have the potential to win that race. I love running. I'm able to fine-tune my training and preparation and enjoy that process, not missing a single training session and have great permission to run fast and be be light and and uh, you know wholehearted about being at my best and yet um, best I ever finished was fourth and a series of calamities you know ranging from uh, you know gut issues having reactions to nutrition on the day or having nutrition and water not even showing up on the course or having some person blow in from you know Tokyo or, or Auckland to try and qualify for the Commonwealth Games uh, you know and so I never I never experienced the result that I wanted to although I was so focused on it and believed it was possible so the pain of that just it just rocked me for months each time uh but I found a way to hope again. I found a way to go, yeah, okay, there was some learning in that and I, I can go again. And so I'm sure I'll come out the other side of this experience, um, not being diminished by it, taking the gift that was in it and resetting for the next thing. But, uh, you know, so I'm speaking to myself in this podcast as much as I am to anyone. So, uh, you know, take from it what's useful. If you're not a dreamer, well, look, you might not find this relevant at all here we go these are the things that work for me and and i'm going to reference a bunch of other people's work because that's that's what's available to us to solve problems there is a great body of work around these kind of issues because they are predictable and common and so people through the centuries have thought about this very same pain point and have shared their experience too so we get to stand on their shoulders that would make sense rather rather than having to recreate the wheel And look, hoping for something and not seeing that hope fulfilled, it sucks, it hurts. I I read a study uh, just recently about what happens if you are really invested in a sporting team and you ride the wave with them in the season, they make it to an important game and you watch them lose. There is a measurable decrease in testosterone. Well, this study was taken from males. I'm, I'm not sure of the chemical uh, hormone response in a female but I, I could imagine it would be the same and different in that if you're invested in something and it does you don't get what you want it sucks the life out of you it literally depletes you and impacts you on a very physical and chemical biological level so it sucks to lose it sucks to be separate from what you want and what do you do about that? Some people would suggest that the way to solve that is to lower your expectations and just do not want, just settle and survive. And sure, you can solve the problem that way, but that to me feels like you'd also have to dehumanize yourself because to desire is human. We do want our team to win. We do want good things to happen. We do want to achieve our potential. We do want to make our life count. That's natural and necessary. So we're also going to have to find a way to cope with the downsides of that because being a dreamer is not all beer and skittles it's not all fulfillment and happiness there's pain and anguish and and a great amount of suffering so here are the things that have worked for me let me start with um, some mark manson wisdom this is from his book the subtle art of not giving an f Uh, the tyranny of, of exceptionalism 
Most of us are pretty average at most things we do. Even if you are exceptional at one thing, chances are you're average or below average at most other things. That's just the nature of life. To become truly great at something, you have to dedicate shit tons of time and energy to it. And because we all have limited time and energy, few of us ever become truly exceptional at more than one thing, if anything at all. We can say then that it is statistically improbable that any single person will be an extraordinary performer in all areas of life, or even in many areas of their life. Extraordinary athletes are often shallow and as dumb as a lobotomized rock. Many celebrities are probably just as clueless about life as the people who gawk at them and follow their every move. We're all, for the most part, pretty average people. But it's the extremes that get all of the publicity. We kind of know this already, but we rarely think or talk about it, and we certainly never discuss why this could be a problem. All day, every day, we are flooded with the truly extraordinary, the best of the best, the worst of the worst, the greatest physical feats, the funniest jokes, the most upsetting news, the scariest threats, non-stop. Our lives are filled with information from the extremes of the bell curve of human experience. Because in the media's business, that's what gets eyeballs and eyeballs bring dollars. That's the bottom line. Yet the vast majority of life resides in the humdrum middle. The vast majority of life is unextraordinary, indeed quite average. As a result, a lot of people are afraid to accept mediocrity because they believe that if they accept it, they'll never achieve anything, never improve and that their life won't matter. This sort of thinking is dangerous. Once we accept the premise that life is worthwhile only if it is truly notable and great, then you basically accept the fact that most of the human population, including yourself, sucks and is worthless. And this mindset can quickly turn dangerous to both yourself and others. All of this, every person can be extraordinary and achieve greatness stuff, is basically just jerking off your ego. It's a message that tastes good going down, but in reality is nothing more than empty calories that make you emotionally fat, bloated, the proverbial Big Mac for your heart and your brain. The ticket to emotional health, like that to physical health, comes from eating your veggies. That is accepting the bland and mundane truths of life. Truths such as, your actions actually don't matter that much in the grand scheme of things. And the vast majority of your life will be boring and not noteworthy, and that's okay. This vegetable course will taste bad at first, very bad. You will avoid accepting it. But once ingested, your body will wake up feeling more potent and more alive. After all, that constant pressure to be something amazing, to be the next big thing, will be lifted off your back. The stress and anxiety of always feeling inadequate and constantly needing to prove yourself will dissipate. And the knowledge and acceptance of your own mundane existence will actually free you to accomplish what you truly wish to accomplish without judgment or lofty expectations. You will have a growing appreciation for life's basic experiences, the pleasures of simple friendship, creating something, helping a person in need, reading a good book, laughing with someone you care about. Sounds boring, doesn't it? That's because these things are ordinary, but maybe they're ordinary for a reason because they are what actually matters. I had an experience of that kind of thing when I was in Germany, probably for the first time in my life, where um, I was really locked out of the business success that I had dreamed about, and I'd, I'd exhausted all avenues possible to me. And, and I was confronted this with, with, with this reality of 
you know, what if I'm not extraordinary? What if I'm just a guy? All the rhetoric I'd used up to that point was, you know, best of the world at this and extraordinary at that and world leading at this. And that was always what I saw for myself and what I was reaching for. But the question that I forced myself to sit with for three weeks, that's how long it took. <laughs> and and I I sat with this idea, Jamin, what if you're, what if you're just a guy? What if you're not awesome? What if you're average? What if no one gives really gives a shit about what you say or do? What if you're just another voice and your impact doesn't even matter? That was the most horrible question in the whole world to me. However, when I plumbed the depths of that question, I came out the other side feeling like if that were true, then, then actually there's not a lot that would change. I, I'd still enjoy talking about the things I enjoy enjoy talking about I still enjoy writing about the subjects that I do and reading the content that I enjoy I'd I'd still be me and I'd still want to do all the things that I love doing anyway just now there would be no pressure and it was quite a dramatic impact I'm I'm sure um, you know my clients felt that and and the messaging softened dramatically there was this this ability to show up as I was rather than needing to be something that I hadn't achieved yet and so um, I, I that that's been something I come back to again and again and again to go okay Jamin uh, I understand you want to be awesome but even if you're not you'll be okay you'll still exist if you're just a guy living in gold and you'll still love your wife and kids you'll still run every day and ride your bike and do aquathon and you know run on thursday mornings with the guys and you'll you'll get by and it'll be okay another key idea from mark manson's book and and this is not his idea but i think he explains it better than anyone else that i've read is just the idea that life is suffering so uh, you know the solving of one problem is the creating of the next the aim of the game is not to find this problem free existence we find happiness in solving problems uh, but those problems are hard and they create suffering in our life and so the only real option when you discover that life is suffering is that the choice is now between you know meaningful suffering and unnecessary suffering so yeah being ambitious creates a high level of suffering but i would argue so does not being ambitious so does giving up so if if both paths are hard and include suffering well it makes more sense to me to be trying to improve things to be wholehearted and ambitious and and optimistic that's that's the suffering that i choose and i don't care if anyone else thinks that's a good idea or not that's the choice that that i want to be making so that garner that that you know that garners me for is garner a word who knows garner sounds like a country but i'm not even sure what i'm trying to say bolsters my my resolve to to face hard things and to be okay to not expect it all to be wonderful all the time uh, another key idea which has always been meaningful and it helps me come back to equilibrium here is something that Jim Carrey wrote about his father I talk about this in the one minute coach book uh, for those playing along at home uh, this is uh, episode 221 of the one minute coach Failing at what you don't want 
In his famous commencement speech at the Maharashtra University of Management in 2014, Jim Carrey told the graduates that his father could have been a great comedian, but because he didn't believe it was possible for him, he gave up on his dream and opted for a safe and responsible job as an accountant instead. However, when Jim was 12 years old, he vividly remembered the day his dad was made redundant from this so-called safe job and found himself unemployed. Carey says he learnt many great lessons from his father, but the most important one was gained by watching his father's choices. Seeing his dad lose his job impacted him deeply. In that moment, he realised that you can fail at what you don't want, so you might as well take a chance at doing what you love. I like that. That's good for my heart. Okay, great. Yeah, sure, there's no guarantee you're going to succeed at what you want. You'll ever get there really achieve the dreams but um, then what are you going to do instead there have been times where coaching has seemed really unsustainable for me I seems like I've not been able to make any money out of it no one seems to be interested in the message I'm putting out there uh, and that's created significant financial pressure and so the thought around okay um, well then do I give up on this dream is that the way forward but then when I process that thought, I'm faced with the idea that, well, hang on a minute, what says the replacement is any easier? So, okay, I can't make this work, even though it feels like what I was born to do, feels like a meaningful contribution, it feels like an act of kindness to keep talking about insecurity and provide a clear framework around this. Can't make that work, so what, I should go and become a plumber or... Um, you know, a labourer, no disrespect to people who are working those jobs, but that's not me. I don't know if you've seen my hands, but they're, they're not cut out for that kind of thing. That's not life-giving to me. So just because I think that seems safe, it doesn't mean there's any guarantee that I'll succeed at that either. So, okay, if there's no guarantee I'm going to succeed at that, then there's no guarantee I'm going to succeed at this. But if I get to choose, I choose the one that I feel more inclined to want to do. Okay, then, then get back on the horse and go again. Another key idea that's been a course correction experience for me in these moments of heartache and disappointment and feeling like I'm really reaching for something and it looks like I can't have it and that is terrible because there's there's disappointment but sometimes there's also embarrassment because I've told others that that's what I'm going to do and now they've watched me not achieve it so um, it, it feels pretty catastrophic I, I wrote about this in the One Minute Coach book as well to include this key idea this is number 278 how do you handle disappointment if you're going to do anything remotely worthwhile disappointment is inevitable In an attempt to avoid disappointment, however, most people end up lowering their expectations. In fact, if you believe some people, the best way to never get hurt is to have no expectations at all. Now, while that is one possible way of avoiding pain, this strategy causes you to end up living with false hope. It's this feeling of constantly wishing for things to be better, but knowing in your heart they never will be. The challenge of life is to welcome and accept disappointment as a core part of the goal-setting process while remaining ambitious and optimistic. It's crucial to resist the temptation to dial down your standards and desires. Feel the pain and anguish of disappointment without letting it get inside you and settling in your bones. 
Every single person who's achieved anything of worth has gone through all kinds of setbacks and disappointments in the process. Thankfully, they didn't let it dampen their overall enthusiasm for what they wanted. Uh, that idea of not letting disappointment settle in my bones was the reconciliation of every failed Townsville marathon. You know, it feels like this is terminal. It feels like I can't ever set that goal again. But when I reconciled the experience, I actually loved being ambitious about that goal. I actually loved the focus and clarity I got from being wholehearted about that and the belief that I could achieve it. I, I've that was life-giving that was energizing and so if i review the whole experience i loved 97.5 percent of it just didn't love the three hours of running well in fact i only i loved the first half of it most of the time it was just the back half that i didn't love so maybe i maybe i enjoyed 98.6 percent of the experience so okay that's a that's a good number to go through pain and and anguish around not getting what you want and then to still feel like you come out the other side still being prepared to put yourself out there then that's a great result that that that's a success in my mind another key bit of wisdom that has helped me greatly over the years of being an ambitious person and the the reconciliation of the suffering that comes from being ambitious comes from george bernard shaw The reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable one persists in trying to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. That is such a beautiful piece of wisdom. And that is why I think ambitious people are are good people. I think that's why that belongs in the five surprising qualities of genuinely good human beings because they are trying to improve the situation and it is unreasonable and it is impossible and and it is working against a great deal of opposition and resistance it would be so much easier not it'd be so much easier to be reasonable however being unreasonable is to honor the gift that is inside you which then makes me think about the power of the talents which is some some beautiful wisdom from Jesus in the Gospels where he tells the story about a farmer who uh, was going away to some distant place and brought three of his servants to them and gave them differing amounts of responsibility um, as, as indicated by financial amounts. So the first guy got the equivalent of one year's wage, the second got the equivalent of two years' wage, the third got responsibility for the equivalent of five years' wages. So, you know, it's some significant divvying up of assets and responsibility and when when he came back the story goes he called his servants to him and said look i'm I'm home i'd love to know what you did with what i gave you and the guy who'd been given five said master you know i thanks for what you gave me i diligently uh, applied myself to this and and i've doubled it I've, i've invested wisely and grown this and now i have 10 it's like, wow, that's that's wonderful. Uh, the guy who had two said, Master, I've done the same. The two that you've given me, I've been diligent and wholehearted with that and I've doubled your investment and now I have four. And the master says, yeah, well done. That's, that's outstanding, good for you. And then the third guy says, Master, I was really worried. I know you to be a, a really uh, angry and, uh, and, and hard man and I was worried that I'd upset you by losing what you'd given me. So I just buried it in the ground. 
and uh, actually did nothing with it. But look, here it is. Uh, if I blow the dust off it, it's, you've still got exactly what you gave me. And the farmer owner says to this guy, look, you're a wicked and unprofitable servant. And he took the one that he had and gave it to the guy who had 10. So now he had 11 and sent him off. He said, you're gone. You're out of here. Now, that, that story has always had a, really, a couple of really beautiful messages to me that have been super important in times like this, and that is that the central responsibility is to grow what you've been given, that life rewards those who have that as their sole focus. And, and the challenge is that the great disparity of gifts and I love that Jesus doesn't seem to need to explain why that's true. He just highlights that it is. The world's not fair. You know, no one, it's not equal. It's not even. There are people you can look around at who've got plenty more than you have and will ever have. And there are those unfortunate souls who have plenty less than you have and will ever have. And you'll get in strife if you look either way, to your left or right. If you look at the people who've got more, you'll think, well, what's the point? I mean, I'm not even a, no, no point even bothering because I'll never be as successful as them because I don't have what they had to start with. Then you'll do nothing. Or if you look at those who've got nothing, you'll, you'll think, well, look, I'm already sitting pretty. I've already got plenty. And maybe you might even feel embarrassed about your good fortune and, again, do nothing with it. So the the only appropriate response is to grow what you have been given. And this makes me think of some beautiful wisdom from Peter Drucker, often referred to as the father of modern management thinking. I came across his work from Greg McCowan, McKeon, however, sorry Greg for listening, uh, his book on essentialism where he quotes Peter Drucker responding to an invitation from someone very famous and well-respected who wanted him to come and uh, contribute to a project he was doing. And um, Peter Drucker said, I hope you will not think of me presumptuous or rude if I say that one of the secrets of productivity is to have a very big waste paper basket to take care of all invitations such as yours. Productivity, in my experience, consists of not doing anything that helps the work of other people, but to spend all one's time on the work the good Lord has fitted one to do and to do well. <laughs> Easily taken out of context, and I'm sure uh, he was a very generous and kind man at heart too, but just the preoccupation with just doing his work, which which I that was the overriding impression I got from Bill Bryson's book, A Short History of Nearly Everything. If you haven't read that book, it'll just blow your mind. It's a stunning depiction of people doing work to advance our experience of human life, solving important problems and devoting their life to that. And this is the history of innovation and discovery and development from you know, you know early, um, early AD. So you've got people who are devoted their life to thinking about the size of the earth, the shape of the earth, the circumference of the earth, the difference, the distance the moon is from the earth, um, the distance from the sun, the order of the planets in the solar system, all things which you think, well, what does it even matter? turns out those things matter greatly. Problems like where do the elements come from, Uh, what is the makeup of matter, Uh, you know, advancements in chemistry and biology and physics, which have become building blocks for all important advancements today and and on and on 
the, the thing I loved about that book was hearing stories about men and women who devoted their life to solving important problems in spite of all kinds of difficulty and some having given their whole life to solving a problem and then still failing uh, and the next person would stand on their shoulders pick up the baton and keep working for it, keep advancing the solution and so the overriding bit of language that stuck in my mind from reading that book was hey, hey Jamin just do your work just just do your work this is what you feel you were born to do and it's meaningful and then then for the sake of those around you success is wholeheartedness around this so less focus on immediate gratification and immediate results more focus on the altruistic idea of success being bigger than you and beyond you of course the the dangers of being wholehearted about your own work and and excluding other people's work is not everyone understands that or think that's great just as being ambitious is not always celebrated by those around you there have been many many a time where i felt deeply misunderstood and and others have been upset at my desire for life it's it's threatened them or made them feel like their stuff is inadequate or all kinds of weird things have happened so you know not only do you face the disappointment of your own failed attempts you face the judgment and um, unease of those around you so there are lots of challenges with with being ambitious Um, I, i got accused of living in an echo chamber by a colleague recently when I didn't want to have him on my podcast because he had a differing view around how change happens and I made it really clear that my podcast is going to be about consolidating on what I think works I'm interested in talking to people who actually agree with my basic assumption that insecurity can be solved and solved in a particular way and so the accusation that I'm now arrogant and closed the idea of being an echo chamber is you just surround yourself with your own opinions that's all you hear you just get constant feedback that you are right and and therefore you end up really delusional and uh, dangerous I suppose so a serious accusation and yet when I think about that pragmatically I am convinced that my best chance of being a good human being an effective human being a successful human being is to live on the front foot is to assume that I am right until I'm absolutely proven to be wrong to hold things tightly and loosely at the same time to be absolutely wholehearted and certain about what I'm doing and to be convinced that it will work and that it is working I've, I've tried many years uh, living, assuming that I'm wrong, assuming that I don't know what I'm doing, and there are some advantages to that. I think that's more palatable, has some more social advantages, and obviously can increase some learning. But you've heard me talk about the no-pants dream, and there was a time my own being was not willing to live like that anymore. It was not getting me any extra value, and so to double down and live with certainty. I feel like as a coach, my great offering to people is certainty. My certainty gives them permission to be certain. So my wholeheartedness around an idea that I'm convinced works and has worked for me and works for countless others, that's useful to other people who want to find something that works. They don't want me to be uncertain. They don't want me to be unsure. They don't want me to assume that I'm wrong. What value is that to them? They'll be very unkind. And so... I continue in that way and that again all helps me resolve the great tension between uh, 
being very clear on what I want and not always seeing it. So may your ambitions stay strong and clear. May your testosterone levels remain high. And may you enjoy the sound of your own voice as it echoes around in the chamber of the desires of your heart. I'll talk to you again next week.